Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so... Open up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. Hello, Wexford. I have to say, we were looking forward to coming down here. We could have sold this place out three different times. The Wexicans definitely are a little bit crazy. Davey said it. He said, we're a good fit. They're half mad and I'm half mad. So here we go. Um, we have a great show lined up for you tonight. As Larry O'Gorman says, we, sh- we need to do an open-air concert next year in Faith Harriers. He's here doing the hard sell for Faith Harriers. So if you see him outside, he's wearing a T-shirt. He'll be up here in panel two. Panel one, we're going to talk about Davey Fitzgerald. The great Davey Fitzgerald. Um, a couple of men who've had a run-in with him or two. We have teacher's pet Tony Brown here. He's no problems with Davy whatsoever. Davy loved him, he loved Davy. Um, but we couldn't get Davy here tonight, which is a big disappointment, but understandable, because obviously with the game at the weekend, it's very hard to get him. Plus he hates my guts, so there was no... <laughs> so there was definitely no way of doing it. But I pulled a few strings, I pulled a few strings, and we've been able to contact Davy and get him to send a video to everyone who's shown up here tonight. So we'll, we'll play that there now. Hello, it's Davey. Um, I was asked to uh, welcome everyone here tonight, you know, and I... Uh, I'm not saying a word, so I'm not... No, you're not going to get it on me, you know. There's a lot of leads down there tonight now on that couch that have said plenty about me, you know. You've dug them down there, huh? Crying like it's 1998 all over again. Oh, it's not the game. I love sweepers oh, and all this crack, huh? Dugden, what have you managed, huh? I'll tell you what you've managed, Dykin. The only thing you've ever managed is avoid getting a good one of those off me. Let me tell you that. Eh? And then you've got old stab in the back, James O'Connor down there. Eh? Oh, James, he's so mad to talk about Davy. so you know, shut up about me. Eh? I don't know what I did to you at all. 
But I'll tell you, you think these things get to me, James, they don't get to me, you know? I'm a hardy hurling man, and my heart is nailed, so I am. I'm very, very tough, and none of that gets to me, because I- Dale, is that okay for you, is it? It's all hot, Jesus. Cool it down. Sweet stuff, James. <clears throat> But anyway, you know, I know you've Tony Brown down there. I like Tony, you know. I really, really, really like Tony. You know, and Tony knows the real Davy, you know. He knows the modest Davy, and that's what I am. I'm modest in the whole lot, you know. I'm just a humble hurling man with a good team there, you know. With such, I am so proud of those Wexford lads, you know. They're so talented and everything, and, you know, it's great to be in a semi-final with them, you know. But again, no one gives me the credit I deserve, because let's be honest about it, that Wexford team is useless. <laughs> you know? You know, it's like I'm racing Liam Sheedy on Sunday and he's in a Ferrari and I'm in a horse and cart, you know? But again, I'll go out there and I'll give it me all, you know? And if we win, it'll be all down to me. Because again, I'm a hardy hurling man. And that's how I look at them muscles there. I tell you, no one tells me what Yeah, what's that like now, eh? Beautiful stuff. Right, go on off to bed. What? I think go on off to bed, right? It's this time every night you have to go to bed, isn't it? <laughs> go on off with you now, right? Shut that door, I want to watch the news, okay? <laughs> hey, look, look at the speaker, Stacy, please. <laughs> yes, it's Joe, that's right. <laughs> All right, give it up for our first panel Michael Dagnan, James O'Connor, and Tony Brown. I was worried, Michael, I don't know if you were in uh, Clara the other night, but I was worried Connor would even do that video because I thought he won the Open. I saw so much of him celebrating it with Lowry. He went up the 18th before Lowry did. Uh, <laughs> he was inside the ropes. I was there, yeah. Um, we had a good few days over there, so. Yeah. It was a nice break to get down to Wexford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as young as it was, so. I, I want to talk to you about, well, this panel's about Davy Lads, because he's a unique character, and like I have, I love, I love him, and then I hate him. I think he's a bollocks, I think he's great. I don't know what, which side to come down on. You and Jamesy <coughs> obviously have had your run-ins with him. Tony, you had a good relationship with him. Michael, I'll start with you. What are you like with him now, or have you met him, or is there history between you, the two of you, or did you, you made a pretty harmless comment about sweepers, which you're entitled to do. Um, look, I suppose it's not, <clears throat> Sport is not simple, I suppose. Like, I, I'd go back with Jamesy, I suppose, the betters in All Ireland in 95. We bet him in 98. Um, Gerald O'Connor said the other night, Ala Connor, that uh, he said, I, I watched the open, he says, with, uh, with, um, with Davies and that. We were hoping Larry would be better. We fucking hate off, Lee. He played constipated golf, he says, in the US Open. You threw away a four shot lead, you're useless. So, but he said, The last time I saw such a big crowd, we're in the green and Clara. He said, The last time I saw such a big crowd on the pitch, uh, or on the, on the grass was in 98 when you all sat in the pitch in, in, in Crow Park. So, so we had that playing, I suppose, rivalry, which is, yeah. is healthy. And, and it was probably different back then because <clears throat> nowadays I think a lot of players know each other much better to go to college through Fitzgibbon. That time it was sort of, there was no social media. It was more, there was more of a, a warfare element, I think, that you, know, you met on the field, you didn't socialise off the field very much. And then it was when you were finished playing, you got to know lads. And then Davy would have been, I suppose, you had the likes of 
of Dalo and then they were very outgoing and Davy was very driven and you know had a chip in his shoulder uh, obviously about everything and uh, that's and, gone now right yeah and uh, <laughs> no but he had and people used things to their own advantage I think tr- true sport and that went on so <clears throat> I would have uh, I would have had an issue with different teams he trained the way they played and understood it to an extent obviously like no more than Derry McGrath with Waterford why you do it Waterford had conceded seven goals against Car- against Tip in the Munster final he couldn't go in and not change that so he had to go defensive and make it work. But then as time goes on, I think you have to evolve. And in fairness, Davy has evolved. And, the, and the, you know, initially it was very defensive, but then they came up with, you know, like Sir Dermot O'Keefe moving up the field and all that sort of thing. So um, I made a comment about the sweeper. He went on after one of the matches. And I was actually down in Waterford for a couple of days' holidays that time. And uh, he came on about myself and Henry. And when well, he's right, they hadn't managed anyone. Well, they haven't. But Henry has now. He won the club all in his first yeah. year. So he knows something about it. But uh, I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, uh, I, I didn't. I, I'm not soft-skinned, and anyone that's in the media for as long as I am, and you were all of us. You know, you, you take the good with the bad. You give your opinion. That's what I try to do. And sometimes there's no not, harm in a little feud every now and then, is there? Well, there's no, there's no harm. And uh, but what I didn't, the only thing I didn't like about that was the he sort of implied on the thing that we should, I, we should be replaced as pundits, and we weren't qualified to be pundits. And uh, so my reaction was. I don't interfere with his labour. I never, I, I, don't, I never made a comment to the Wexford County Board about anything to do with his employment. So I know he does it for the love of the game and all that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like Mick O'Dwyer, like Mick O'Dwyer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick O'Dwyer. Jeez, I yeah. loved uh, Mick O'Dwyer. I love driving. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, water built to Kildare every night. Yeah, right. But anyway. Um, so that was the only thing, and it did create a bit of tension. I answered him back on Warner, and then it got a bit tense. But uh, I met him, and it's like it's like everything. You met him since this. I did meet him since that. Yeah. Uh, it puts out, there's always something that puts things in context, and uh, there's a young lad in uh, in Two Mile House in Kildare, a young lad called Adam Burke, and he had uh, he was only 20 years of age, very good footballer. And he had a stroke on the field, and uh, he uh, was desperately uh, he was lucky to live, but he was very badly. Um, uh, he, physically damaged and there was a huge fundraising appeal he needed about a million quid to try to help him and we did a night up there and uh, Davy was at it I was at it Joe Bradley was at it um, Tomas O'Shea and a couple more and we had a panel discussion like this and I chatted Davy before and after it and look life is short and we shook hands and we had a chat and did uh, you bring that up did you bring the, the argument up we had a bit of a chat about it, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it was, it was civil. And it's funny, in his book, <laughs> the only thing is... He, so he left, kind of made up with me, but he left with a bigger chip in his shoulder about Brawley. Because Conor Sketches was there that night as well. He, he's at the opening of every envelope, isn't he, and everywhere. But Conor Moore, Conor Sketches was there, and he did Davy to Davy. Now, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He did, he did Brawley to Brawley, and then Davy to Davy. He took out to the suitor and the whole lot. Like, it was fairly close to the bone now, so I think... I think he fell out with him that night, and he fell out. And Brawley, Brawley wasn't very nice to him, and he fell out with him. So he, he wrote his book then, subsequently. So he kind of said, we're grand again now. You're down the list, yeah. I know yeah. I'm grand again now for the moment. Maybe, maybe after tonight or after Sunday, I could be gone again. But, <laughs> well, but, what uh, about you, James? Are you down the list, or are you still up the list? Because in the book, he said about you, in their different ways, but Brian, this is Brian Lohan. And Brian has reason enough over the LIT, or the Mary I and UL rivalry. And he says, but Brian and James, you have been cutting the back off me since I took over Clare. Why James, especially chose to do that, I don't know. I actually phoned him a couple of times early on in my term as manager to ask him why he seemed to consistently be negative towards my leadership of the team, given I was hardly a wet week in the job. 
No more than with Loan. I felt I had a great relationship with Jamesy when we were teammates, but he never seemed to warm to the idea of me as Claire Hurling Manager. Respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> what a first question. <laughs> look, look, yeah, nice, gentle opener, uh, Woody, thanks. Yeah. Um, listen, I tell a little story. Um, it was, um, I think, Davy's first league game in charge, and um, Claire had, I think, shipped five goals to Galway and Salt Hill, the, the, the previous championship, whatever. So I was working, I think, with. I think it was the time to rare sport or someone we were, I was on co-commentary and um, Clare got the first score and then someone went right to the middle of the Clare defence and got a goal and um, there was a break in the play then someone got injured I think about a minute later or whatever and you know with the monitors there and we, we, we cut to the replay of the goal and I just made a comment that listen you'd hope to be one thing that to be addressed this year the, the defensive frailties of last year, last year. And, um, and after that Clare hurled Limerick off the pitch right Conor McGrath was, was on fire the same night Podgenink was playing and I couldn't have been more effusive in my praise about, you know, it was refreshing how well the lads had, had played and as we hockeyed Limerick inside in the Gaelic grounds. And um, I was in school on, on, on Monday morning and, um, you know, there was a ping at 12 o'clock or something, so there was a text on the phone and it was a, an unidentified number and there was a big long spiel about the way I was cutting the back off him and he'd never cut the back off me. And, and I was there in my own mind saying, is this actually from him or is it from when the boys taking the piss, you know? And um, so I got home at lunch anyway and I said, I'll ring this number or whatever. And I said to him, did you actually, did you actually see it? Did you actually hear what I said? And um, no, one of the boys in LIT said to me, you were cutting the back off me or whatever. And, you know, what, what do you say? Like, you know, that, that, um, that wasn't a bad impression there, well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'll tell you, now, don't start taking the piss out of me. So I'll tell you, yeah, exactly. But uh, look, so I, I said, listen, it's, it's not my style. You know, surely you know me better than that. I mean, we, we you know, we hurled together, obviously, for, for years. Um, but... As I said, that was that was that, and we, you know, you shake your head and and, and you get off the phone, um, and after that, Woody, to be honest about it, I mean, okay, I was doing a column for the Sunday Independent, and I was, I thought fair, and I thought I was honest, and and I gave my opinion. I didn't agree, maybe, with some of the the type of hurling we were playing, where Shane O'Donnell maybe was, you know, a real threat. I thought, and we were playing with a sweeper, and there was an extra defender sitting in front of him. We were hitting the ball out to the corner flag, and I just thought we weren't getting the best use of him, and yeah. and I gave my opinion, and. You know, obviously, um, you know, he didn't take too well to it. But, like, personally, there's nothing personal about it, and sure, you know, you know yeah. that, like. But it's, it's, it's um, like, I, I haven't actually, I'd say, spoken to Davy. Um, I'd say you count on one hand the number of times I've probably spoken to him in the last the last decade. And, uh, again, there was there was something in the Sunday Independent. Um, I, I, I wrote a critical piece maybe after maybe his, the last maybe year with Claire or whatever. Um, and, again, I've just said, look, at you know, maybe need to get Paul Kinnert back if we could, and we need to maybe get, I don't know, Podge back into the fold or whatever it was. And um, again, I got a text from another different unidentified number. <laughs> and uh, again, I, I kind of rang the number and, and, and we kind of had a chat and we agreed to disagree. But again, he hadn't actually read no, you know, the, entire, the, the entire piece. You know? So you're, you're just shaking your, your, your head sometimes. I mean, it's unfortunate, um, particularly with Brian. I mean, this, to be honest about it, there was very, very little said in the book. Um, you know, on, about... I suppose from my perspective about me, it was more about, about Brian. And considering, I suppose, the relationship they had fullback and goalie, that's disappointing. Yeah, and, and they I'd were in say, business together, I think, too. They had a very close relationship, didn't no, they? No, not in business together, no. But, um, but uh, you know, fullback and goalie, I mean, Lohan right. minded him for, I suppose, the best part of, you know, 12 to 15 years, whatever. And that's, that's a pity. And, like, Brian is in business as well. And, you know what I mean? So I know he feels, I'd say, pretty strongly. And that relationship is probably 
fracture beyond uh, beyond repair. Michael Holler, I think, said like that there'll be some cracks standing between number one and number three at the the twenty five year thing at Croke Park next year. You know, <laughs> you know he's looking forward. To, he's looking forward to that one. But uh, that would be who would be number Frank Law? No, he was four. No, Frank was number, Frank Frank number was four. four yeah. Davey, yeah. Davey yeah. Yeah. to mix it with us. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, <laughs> Oli, listen, life's too short. And I, as I said, I I played with Davy and Flannans. Obviously, played with him. You know, minor. We won a Munster minor t- title with Clare. Obviously, Dale Ireland's. Muster titles and we great days and as I said like listen life's too short like to be carrying yeah. this kind of stuff no it is know. but it's, it's surprising how sensitive they are Tony like I mean geez, I just took one quick story it's like me myself and Jim McGuinness were great pals and I made one throwaway comment about defensive football saying I was down at a Wexford match and Jason Ryan or Jason Ryan isn't it Jason. yeah Jason Ryan was the manager and he was playing great football and I made a throwaway comment as a co-commentator it's great to see Jason Ryan going for a, a lovely brand of attacking football when you have younger managers like Justin McNulty, Jim McGuinness, going negatively. Like, I was at McGuinness's wedding. We've never spoken since then. He texts me, friends don't uh, diss each other on the radio. It's mad how sensitive they are. Like, I mean, they, I think their mentality is you're either with them or you're their enemy. Yeah, true. And, um, you know, listening to the lads there, it's, it's typical Davy Fitz, you know, like... Davy is the type of guy that he has a, he, you know, he's a sense of paranoia about him at, at, at times, and, and it, yeah. it, it, it works for him sometimes, and it, work, it works against him, you know. But he, he reminds me of Derek McGrath to a, to a certain degree. But there's one thing about Davy Fitz, and that is, is that he has that side to him. But if you buy into him, you know, he he treats you with huge respect, and um, and he he get the best out of you as a player. But just touching on that, it, it like. In this business now, even it's so true, Willie. If you open your mouth about anything, like I, I recently just kind of I, I do a column at the Cork Examiner there, and I mentioned uh, something there about Brick Welch, and he was playing centre field in the, the league final there against Limerick this year. You know, just and he was only coming back from from injury. Um, uh, he only had a couple of games under his belt, and I mentioned that he was kind of off the pace a little bit, and. Then I text him recently, no, re- no response back or anything, you know. So, I, like, it's, it's, it's crazy, it's, it's, though. It's, it's crazy, a tough, and, yeah, yeah, and it it's that. But, um, but no, that, that, that's, that's, that's it with some managers, you know. That's, yeah. that's but that. you had a great relationship with Davy, and I want to get on, because we were talk- just going to start off about the run-ins you had with him, because like, he's clearly an outstanding, brilliant, brilliant manager, and like, the Wexford lads hang on his every word. One of my favourite moments, and we're going to talk about his antics on the sideline as well, one of my favourite antics of his on the sideline happened during a match against G, Tony. We're going to play that here. On the sideline in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> so... I was, looking, I was looking at that and it was happening in around the right half back position and I was thinking, he's hardly saying that to Tony Brown. Yeah, yeah. No, look, listen, it was, it was, it was fiery at that time. And <laughs> it's, uh, look, you can't, you can't deny the facts either, can you? you know? I mean, he had him and we had a fall, so, you know. But, who, um, who was he saying that to, do you know? Uh, I'm fairly sure he was saying it to, to Owen McGrath, or Owen Kelly Owen and Kelly. Uh, um, John Milan at, at the time, right. you know, because... The lads were kind of in his face a little bit too, on uh, you know, going up and down the sideline. But he was, um, <laughs> yeah, and he was. That's but that's his passion in it. That's it. That's him all over, and that's what he's about. And he he sa- he sa- he says it as he sees he sees it, and yeah, and and that's that's the way he is. You know, but he, but, he was. I suppose, like, I mean, the antics on the sideline, and this is for all of you, uh, like, to discuss. Like, he it's he's never going to stop, 
right? Because he can't stop. Like, I mean, and sometimes I think there's a little bit of over-analysis with Davy, and he's running down against Galway this year, even after what happened with Jason Ford last year. And when it was at John Allen in 2012, he squared up to him, and it was James Ryan took him out with a shoulder. So this is going on for a long time. He's a pacemaker in his heart. And here's some analysis saying he does it to get a reaction out of his team. I think he does it because he's half mad, and he has to, like, he has to get, and he, he just loses his head when things are going against him. Michael, let's start with you. <laughs> I think you're wrong about the half bit. Anyway, I think it's fully mad. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think he, I think he has a chat with himself and decides, no, I'm not going to do it. And he's the mature, you know, he's he changed and he's no, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. And go up in the box. Oh, I say he wants to change. Yeah, he yeah. does. And then it ha- the match goes and he just can't help it. Like I said, that's you know, that's it. I wouldn't be great in the lane myself now over right. underage teams and all that. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> oh, I just remember it. Yeah, 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 okay. No. So I have to. I, I, I can't be talking about both sides of my mouth here. <laughs> Um, so when you're trying to win, I think, um, particularly if you look at, I suppose, the battles he's fought, you know, like he, and I think I'd like to add that to it, like he has been very hugely successful as a manager. You know, what he has achieved um, with Fitzgibbon Cubs, with Waterford, with Clare, um, and now winning the Leinster with Wexford. And I think the, he's inspiring another generation of Wexford. I think their minor win this year was the first Leinster minor since 1985. I actually played against Wexford that year, the Bettles in the Leinster semi-final. And it's hard to believe it's that long ago. Like, that's, that's third. Uh, 34 years ago yeah. and uh, that, that's massive their 20 team had a nice team this year they were betting the Leinster final only beating three points by a good Kilkenny team so and I think there's a, there's a great drive going on for a number of years with, with, with Wexford hurling anyway but uh, you know but he, he does that he brings a massive um, um, energy to the thing but I, you know it's hard to see him it's hard to see him changing and um, you know and it's funny sports is a funny thing if, if Wexford hadn't won that Leinster and it, it, and and say during the semi-final on Sunday, if they were gone out of the championship, maybe his time would have been up at Wexford. And where would he go then? You know, yeah. you have Waterford there. But now I'd say, regardless, he'll, he'll knock another two or three years out of Wexford now. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, so he's he, he's no, but he is. Look, he is a divisive character. But um, I don't think he does it for any particular reason. I just look his own way of going on. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't take criticism. And, and Tony makes a very good point. I think that's modern society. Like we all played, we all got plenty of commentary in the press. Didn't but never bother me. I remember I learned semi-final in '89. I often tell that story. You probably heard it before about my father in the morning of the match, and he says to me, uh, "He's a Galway McConnemara man. He's still alive, thank God. He's, this is the famous man that doesn't have sky." And uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, he's um, do not get it for you. No, no, no. Oh, he doesn't want it. He's a Republican. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have it all. I watched the golf last week. Like, um, but uh, in, he's he's 85 now in September. But uh, he. Uh, He's a fierce Galway man, a Conor so he says to me that morning, what's wrong with you? I was pushing the breakfast around the plate, and there was no dietitians at that time. There was the full fry or whatever, and um, my mother was yapping away, and his father was quiet, and he was reading the paper, and he left down the paper, and he said, what's wrong with you? I said, Jesus, I'm shocking nervous. I was, I was 20. I was playing midfield. Galway won the Ireland in 87 and 88. This was, this was 88. The Ireland semi-final. I was barely 20 years of age, playing midfield against, and uh, Linsky was picked midfield, and the great Galway team, Joe Cooney and all the lads, Pete Finnerty, McInerney, the half and, and Tony Keady, God rest them. So I was pushing on. Next, I got up and I went out the back, and I came back in. He said, "What's wrong with you?" And I said, "I'm fierce nervous. at me old stomach. I don't know what's wrong with me." He said, "If I was you, he said, I, you should eat up out of that." He said, "There's no pimping in the middle of Crow Park, making a fool of yourself and being hungry as well." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he, he was actually—he was right on both counts, right? Because uh, when the nerves wore off, I was starving with hunger, and I, I was taken off at half time. <laughs> And, and Vincent Hogan gave me four out of ten in the Independent the next morning. 
And I didn't follow with Vincent Hogan over that. That was a harsh thing to do to a young lad. You know, I scored a point. I didn't think it was doing that bad. I think it was more. The, I think the old Rafferty players wanted me out there. Pat Delaney, I was in the loo in the cubicle, and I heard the said, "Get that lad out there." He says, "Quick." So, <laughs> but so boys, is, isn't, a ga- isn't a gas how much players would pay attention to just a, a four out of ten rating off a journalist who like? Do you know what I mean? In the, in, the independent, well, I got a six. Now, I thought I played a lot better than that. Like, would you, would you pay any attention to that, lads? Well, as a player, of course you would, because look, at the end of the day, you want to you wanna, you wanna produce and you want to deliver a performance, you know? But yeah, but who cares what that lad thinks? Like, that, that was a six out of ten in his opinion. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, well, but there's where the, the, the mentality comes into it, you know, and the environment that we're living in in, in modern sport, you know? So you, you look at some of the best sports stars in the world, the quickest thing that they're able to do, and I would have probably had a problem with that when I was hurling, was they're able to just park it up, move on, and move on to the, the, you know, park it up, move on to the next target. And perfect example of that was Shane Lowry. Uh, you know, from the previous year, losing whatever, he was four ahead or five ahead. And yeah. his mentality then just to be able to come back and produce the next day. And, you know, I think players read into too much criticism and uh, stuff like that. But maybe we're not, we're always talking about tactics. Um, how, how, how physical uh, players are, the condition, strength and conditioning, but the psychology side of it is, you know, it's not so much talked about, it's the dark side of hurling, and in fairness to Davy Fitz, he's, he's very, very good at that as well, you know, yeah. to be able to, to get fellas in the right frame of mind, uh, particularly playing against the big teams like Tipperary and the traditional counties, and he's, he's fantastic at that, and um, <coughs> you're right, like it but is. I, I, I think Woolley is, I think as well, like that's probably why you'd never won much but uh, yeah <laughs> like, like you have to be self-critical and you have to be honest with yourself and if you have a match it's not that it wasn't a, it just I remember it didn't bother me that Vincent Hogan gave me 4 or 10 but it bothered me the way I played and I was taken off at half time yeah, yeah. and I had a couple of other junctures throughout my career uh, I missed the 94 I learned I was injured in the Leinster final and I got back for 10 minutes in the semi-final and I wasn't picked for the final even though I felt it should be and Eamon Cregan didn't pick me and I decided after that I learned that I learned didn't mean anything to me and I said, I'm going to win another All-Ireland and I'm going to be playing and I'm never going to miss. And I'd never missed another championship game for the rest of my career. Well, I never missed, in my whole 13 years, I played every match at some stage. But that hurt and it has to. And if, you're, if you play badly and it doesn't mean anything to you or if you let down the team or if you let yourself down or your family down, you have to use those things. You have to forget them. We didn't, Shalari didn't forget that overnight. It took him 18 months, two years to get over that. It, it, it took an awful lot out of him. And... Uh, I think it ha- if it means enough, Jen, if you're going to win all earnings, the bad days, I think they, they mould you into the, into the better player. Yeah, you, you, know, you know yourself like how you played, you know what I mean? You, have your own, you, you set your own standards and you don't need to read yeah. some guy in the paper telling you you were four out of ten. You know yourself. You know, yeah. Lagnan no. wouldn't have been too slow to remind you if you were four out of ten before. No, and, no and that's true. But just under what uh, Tony says there about how Davy would get teams up for it, because... There's videos on YouTube of him shouting and roaring, and that's kind of how I would picture him in the dressing room, like maybe banging a hurl, because they come out in the field and they're ravenous for ball, and traditionally that's how you get into that kind of frame of mind. And I was reading a quote I thought was very interesting this year. He doesn't do shouting team talks anymore. He's given that up. So he says, um, that's kind of the way we are, he said after Leinster final. He says, we don't do team talks before we go out in the field. We don't have one before we went, or we didn't have one before we went down the field today. I won't tell you what, I, what we did, but it was different, which is pure Davy. won't tell you now what it was. Um, he says, I just want them to go out and hurl. But I thought it was a very interesting one, that Davy's moved on from that shouting and roaring team talk. So maybe that's where the game has gone in general anyways. Well, have you seen his body language pre-game? Um, 
you know, I mean, he looks like he's wired. I mean, that he wants yeah. to, you know, and, and that... Do you think he's lying there or do you think he's telling the truth? Uh, well, pro- look, at it, it probably has moved on in terms of, you know, the, the, the analysis and the professionalism and the psychology of it. And in fairness, that's the one thing I think he really has brought to Wexford is just the whole diet, the lifestyle, the nutrition. You know, these guys are athletes now. They live that life and he certainly brought that. So, I mean, I'd imagine... He's got people in the, in the backroom team that, listen, if this is what's required vis-a-vis mentally getting guys ready, um, you know, that, 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 that's where he's going to go. I think the big thing with Wexford, um, and you, know, you, you probably know this in terms of the counties that the three of us has come from, is belief. You know? um, and you don't acquire that overnight, and, and you can't win the big matches unless you have that, you have that belief. And I remember, we'll say, even going back to the 95 All-Ireland final against Offaly, I didn't really believe until I said the Friday night before the game that we were going to win the game. I remember Lodnan, we had a meeting in the dressing room on the Friday night in, in Goosey Park, and I remember him saying, you know, if we really make a battle of it, Offaly won't live with us. You know, in the sense we were that fit, we were obviously going really well at the time. And I, I remember coming out of that dressing room saying, he's right. But I didn't believe it until the Friday night before the right. game. So that speech that we were, was very important to you. Fierce important, yeah. And, and, as, and I think that's, like, and sometimes, like, and you, you even saw in the Leinster final, that Wexford maybe had to be six, seven points better than Kilkenny to win by one. And that was the same with us in Clare, and maybe it's the same in Offaly and, and Waterford and the counties maybe that are struggling to make the breakthrough. And, you know, you have to... When you're trying to beat us with the Corks, the Tips, the, 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 the Kilkenny's. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing um, in terms of his achievements with me, that the, the Wexford players genuinely believed. And I suppose, look, they'd beaten Kilkenny in the Championship before, they'd beaten them in the league in Walsh Cup. And, uh, and that's... That's really, I think, his biggest achievement. He's beaten everybody you know. in his tenure. Have, all the yeah. top teams. Uh, I, 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 think it's, I don't think you can have a set rule in a dressing room about what you do because there's certain times there is a bit of straight talking. There's other times, you know, you can say players have to go out in the field and do it, which they have to do. But if you, if you sense something, so I would have experienced both. I never really had any of our successful managers. Michael Bond was a very good speaker, but he wouldn't be, he'd be very... Uh, very organised, you know, but Babs was a bit different when he was there, and, and Eamon Cregan was, Eamon Cregan was Man of Steel. And would Babs shout and roar, or? No, that'd take too much out of him. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, ba- no. Ba- ba- Babs, Babs shot himself in the foot outside the dressing room, but, um, uh, but foot, I, look, I, I think Davey's really after growing as a manager. Yeah, because maybe, could, we would have shouted and roared yeah, for you now, would he? Yeah, not? he would have. Well, like, you must remember, when Davey came into Waterford, Davey was only after retiring, I think, from inter-county yeah. hurling at the time. You know, he was only 36 years, 37 years of age, and uh, he would have had that small... He would have he would have been like that in the dressing room, I suppose, roaring and shouting and hammering and hitting tables and stuff. But you could see him growing as time went on, you know, and he, um, he got very, uh, I, I suppose, astute about the game, very tactical about the game, and he, and he, he, he grew in that sense, you know. But... Um, but there's no doubt about it, he, um, he would have went down that line. But the one thing that I notice with Davey is, is that the energy levels that he brings pre uh, a, a big game, like, so, so in other words, in his training sessions, is I, I've, look, I've trained, I, I played for a long time, trained under a, a very lot long of, time. Yeah, too long, too long, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, trained under a lot of managers. And the energy that that guy brings to training sessions, I've, I've never seen it with any, and I go and watch a lot of people coaching and training. Um, I've never seen it before. Just the energy that he brings to it, and he, he has the work well, well done before yeah. before he, he delivers. You know, and the one thing he does that I, I do notice that when he goes into a setup very very early, he wants to create an environment that has been uh, you know that better's the environment that has been there before. So what he wants to do really is quickly get players to buy into what 
what it's all about and what's happening there. So he just really wants to create an environment that has been better historically, that has been there before. Hence why you have fellas going up in buses up to Six Mile Bridge to, yeah. to get them to come back down. He just creates that environment and you can see where the Wexford lads have, have bought into it. You know? It's very but impressive, more so after doing a hard day's work and driving the whole way from Clare, like it's, it's savage. <laughs> Here, let's not open a can of uh, open up another can of worms. But this this is the thing. Look, listen. Sure, at the end of the day, Davies from Clare. He got like there's no doubt he got hurt the way he left Clare, Jamesy. Like the players, pretty much he left it in the players' hands, and some lads didn't want him, and that was enough for him. And in fairness, I thought he was decent in his statement. Said, look, this he spelled out exactly what happened. Didn't lie about it. Some our players didn't want me, and. I'd say he couldn't believe the Wexford job popped up, like a county with potential. The drive was poxy. You know, it's going to cost him a fortune driving there. Um, but, like, I mean, it just the right job came at the right time for him. Did, yeah. And, like, I mean, it was, it was probably a more attractive job than what it looked maybe on the outside in the sense of, like, obviously, look at good work had been done. And, you know, even Liam's last year in charge, I mean, you know, beat Cork in the championship that year, you know, which was a really good result. You could see players like David Dunn yeah, were coming on board. But that was a one-off, though, because Wexford weren't going that well before him. Like, I mean, the Cork, Cork were going terribly that year, I remember. They were sitting ducks. You know, I, I do... When people say Cork, Wexford beat Cork before Davey arrived, that wasn't a true picture of where Wexford at, were at, or am I being unfair on no, I, Liam I, Dunn? I, I, but I, I think, like, listen, the, 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 players, the players were there, I mean... Good players were there. Now, obviously, I think he took it to an absolutely another level. There's no doubt about it in terms of, as I said, like the whole strength and conditioning, the, the, the diet, the nutrition. And, and, like, and as a player, as Tony said, like, when you suddenly feel the bar has been raised psychologically, um, it does a huge amount for you in terms of you know, you're yeah. fitter, you're stronger. If you believe that, listen, our setup is you know, better than or as good as what it is in Limerick or in Cork, or Kenny, it gives you a huge... Oh, the confidence. I mean, when we were, when Lognan was there with Clare, that's one of the big things he did. We felt that nobody else is doing the type of training that we're doing. Nobody else is, 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 is doing the quality of ball work because Lognan was a super coach. Um, and that, that feeds into the psychology. But I think that's, he brought all those things on board and brought that level of professionalism and raised the bar. And on top of that then, when you had, we'll say, the underage success coming through and good players coming through... Um, as, and listen, the success couldn't have happened if the players weren't, if the players weren't there. And even little things like, I mean, I thought Limog McGovern, I watched the Leinster final back during the, during the week. McGovern was phenomenal in the Leinster final. You know, and he's a guy, I think, that will, 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 will blossom in Crookbert, but he had crucial trouble and was, was you know, was out. Um, but McDonald had burst onto the scene. Liam Ryan had come onto the, the, the scene, you know, as, as 19, 20-year-olds. I mean, you know, these guys were guys that you knew, like, um, you know, were going to be there uh, as central planks in that Wexler team for the next the next ten years, so no doubt about it. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything from what he's done, um, but as I said, I remember meeting a Wexler man, former Wexler player, coming out of Torres Link after they'd lost to, to Watford, and, and he said to me, "Listen, this," he said, "There's a lot of good good young talent in the county." He said, "It's it's 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 a more attractive job than it might seem on the outside." Yeah, and he was yeah, and he was, and a and he was probably a perfect fit. They, they, uh, um, Jamesy is right. Like you know, I I would have felt uh, in the last two years that that Wexford would have. Probably, probably wrong place to say it. Is slightly underachieved in, in my opinion because when I look back at the, I'm not too far away from here, and I look back at the the work that's been put in down in Wexford is phenomenal over the last years. And if you look through the stats, Wexford actually have been, I stand to be corrected, but they have been in the last at the last seven under 21 and 20 Leinster finals. They've been in six of them, won three of them, two 13, two 14, two 15. So, and uh, whilst in that period, the standard within Le Leinster, particularly with Kilkenny, have slightly come down. So I, I would have felt that there was 
there was a Leinster Championship there for him. And, um, and uh, I, I felt it slightly, but, but they seem to be peaking under him at, the, uh, at the, this year now, and they seem to just have it right. And what I think has stood to him really, really, why they're winning, uh, uh, why they won the Leinster title really, and could push on to an All-Ireland, is the fact that their big guys are playing well. You know, it's, this year in particular, sometimes you, you might be led by Davy Fitz, and I've experienced by that, and you'll follow in and you'll row on that wagon. But particularly this year with Wexford, they're being led by their big players, Lee Chin, Lee Ryan, uh, those guys, Conor McDonald, and they're the guys now that are delivering. And that's the difference with Wexford this year. Yes, Davy came in and he changed the standards and he brought the standards up here. But at the end of the day, it's like when you hear the talk coming out of Kilkenny, when you go in between the white lines, it's the big guys, the big players that deliver, and that's going to be the big thing for, Tipper, or for uh, Wexford this weekend. Can those guys still deliver, the big players still deliver, because, uh, because that's what it's going to fall down, and that's why they're winning at the moment. That's yeah. why Wexford are winning at the moment, and that's, that's how they'll get to an All-Ireland final, if those guys, again, produce on the big day. And that's not easy to do. I've been there, I played in a lot of semi-finals, didn't get through them, and that's the difference, the big guys delivering on that day and having the mentality to, to actually produce on, on the same. Because there's no doubt about it, Tip can do that. They've been there, they've done it, they know how to win semi-finals, so it's, it's, it's hugely important that Wexford and those guys big deliver again, and that's why they're there. Yeah, exactly. What, one other quote I wanted to read out to you was uh, Davy after Leinster final. He likes to t say a few things after them winning. He said, you, you should come down to our training and you would know what it's like. They come in an hour beforehand. They belt out tunes. We all sit down and chat for a while. I want it to be an environment where they want to come into. So just thinking of them all landing an hour before. Now, I've never been on a team. You come in dribs and drabs and you get your physio done or whatever, that they're sitting in, enjoying. Like, I mean, it's, it, it sounds almost like a professional environment, Michael. Do you know, like, I don't know how he's done this, but, like, if players are willing to come an hour before and they've all lived busy lives, that's a serious environment he's after getting together. Well, it is, and, and I think if you want to be, be serious about it from a hurling point of view, look where we've gone to in Offaly. We slipped off the radar completely. And if the likes of David Fitzgerald had arrived in Offaly three or four years ago, I'm not saying we had the level of player that Wexford had, but I think we've been an awful lot better. He'd make a huge difference no matter where he goes. Massive. Like. And there's very few managers in the history of the game. Mick O'Dwyer obviously had massive success with Kerry, but he went to Leash and Kildare first, and then Leash. And even Wicklow, when he went to Wicklow, the first Sunday he was in charge in a Bourne Cup match, 10,000 people at the match in Ockram. You know, and Wexford have, and I've, I'm, I'm not just saying it because I'm here, I've, off, I've said it many times over here, Wexford have the best supporters in Ireland in terms of... It, <laughs> but they have, and you know that. And, but, but yeah, well, <laughs> we football as well, you see, that's as well. Uh, uh, but, but, uh, and golf now, we're golfers now, we're not. We're finished with hurling football. But, uh, all their games of Edinburgh money is going yeah, into golf no, we're, all, we're, we're doing away with everything else, but... Uh, <laughs> But anyway, um, but he, you know, he genuinely, so when he comes into a, a county and, uh, and then a county like Wexford and the supporters get behind him, first of all, the, you know, huge crowds go to matches anyway, but it went on to a different level. So straight away, from a financial point of view for the county board, for he's looking for a backroom team of X, Y and Z, he's saying, yeah, sure, we'll self-fund it here. There's no issue. And they're yeah. going to make more, you know, and that's, you know, that's the reality of modern high-level sport, whether it's Dublin football or Kilkenny or Limerick hurlers or anybody, the setups. The teams that are winning have serious setups, and you have to match that or you have no chance. And then to get the buy-in from the players. And I think it's fantastic uh, to see the players enjoying the game like that, you know, because, look, it's not a game, I think, I think it's gone way over the top in terms of, and that's, look, I'm, I'm getting on, it's all probably old-fashioned thinking, but what they're expected to put into it. And 
the level of preparation and training and everything else for an amateur sport. And, you know, it's, I just think it's crazy and the, the level of analysis and critique and everything that the players go through. You see, I'll just, just tell you this much now, just cut you off on that. Players want that now. See, I, I'm on the yeah. same level as you because yeah. I came from a, an era of two nights a week a match. Yeah. Players don't want that. They no. want all no, this. No, they think they want it. Yeah, well, they're programmed into they, wanting they it. They don't know any better. And no. It's, but it's very no. bad. It's not good for them. Yeah. And I guarantee you, you watch all these lads in 10 years' time. And they see think another county's doing it, so that's why yeah. they want to do it. And unless lads are clever, like some of the Dublin footballers, and they're, they're making their way, you have, you have 10 or 12 years there to play the game and to establish your career and do whatever you're going to do. If you're very successful, and you get to the top level, grand. But if you don't, which is 95% of the teams, only one team can win the All-Ireland every year. And if you don't have that success and don't win the All-Ireland, and even if you do, there's a big life after. Yeah. And you have to be prepared for that. But that's, that's straying away from the point. But look, I, 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 think, I think Davey has um, he's done very well. It's great to see the players. Now, you just take Brian Cody. The Kilkenny players are there an hour before training too, to go out training. Like, Eddie Brennan tells a great story about... I can't imagine Cody belting out tunes before training. <laughs> well, whoever turned on the first, whatever to use, iPod or iPad, or iPad, he'd be gone anyway, that's for sure. He'd never be seen again. Tommy Fleming. Tommy <laughs> Fleming. Yeah. On, on, on the radio in there or something like that. That's grand fun. And the boys probably trying to win with a record player on the device, but... Uh, but, Wooly, just, just to come in on that... Uh, sorry, Michael. I remember um, even, like, when he came to Waterford, that's back 2008... I remember the night he came in there and we were just, it was like a tornado hit the dressing room. It was like a tornado hit Welsh Park. It was, we actually turned around and questioned ourselves, well, what, you know, what, what have we actually been doing for the last five, six years? We really? won a couple of Munster titles or whatever, but actually where could we have went, you know? Because I remember he came in and it was typical Davy. we were all saying, but where is he? Is he after taking a job or not? And we were all sitting inside in the dressing room and the door was closed and Chairman comes in, you know, and makes a big speech about Davy and the whole lot. It was, it was really typical Davy. Davy is a guy that needs to be felt welcome and, and loved to a certain degree, you know. And it works both ways. If you, if you show him that, he will develop you as a player. But, uh, but I remember he was introduced, and it was something like out of live at the Palladium or something. He could burst in the door, and, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he, he, he told us a, a few home truths. And uh, never forget then going out on, down the tunnel, down into Welsh Park, and there must have been a thousand slitters on the field. There must have been a thousand co cones around. There was an entourage of people all around the place, and we were saying, you know, the buzz was there. It was just, it was just phenomenal. Before that, a couple of months before that, you could have been out in the field there, half seven, 25 past seven, pucking over and across with Justin McCarthy. Do you know, just tipping across, across with him. But... He, he, he brought that side to him, and the following week then, we were, we were all in there, and we had urine samples. We were all, you know, saying, what, what, what the hell is going on here? You know, he was testing, and he just, he just created that environment very, very quickly, but that's... Well, that, that's, that was that's after Davey, he said know? some of the clear lads were on the hard stuff. Isn't that what he said back in... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't your time. Uh, I, was, I was well retired at that stage. <laughs> the clear lads were all... The, the, the samples were full of my body. <laughs> <laughs> But, he, but Eddie Brennan tells the story about going training. And, or he, he, he was kind of on and off. Cody was doing his thing with him. He was giving him a game and then taking him off and then bringing him on and taking him off. And he was getting a bit fed up of it. And he was down in Kilkenny one day and he met uh, Joe Hennessy, the great Kilkenny hurler in the 70s and 80s. And he was telling Joe and he was feeling sorry for himself and the whole lot. And Joe says, and what time do you begin to train that? And all that, trends at half seven. Yeah, I'll be there at seven o'clock, quarter past seven. He says, mm. so go down to some even half six and see what's going on. So he went down the next Tuesday. Henry was out taking 100 frees, Tommy Walsh was there, JJ Delaney, all the lads, the top players, well-established lads, they were all there at half six hurling. So Eddie 
realised he had to up his game and get to another level, and that's what he did. So that's, you know, they're all yeah, different. And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, and even, you know, the top players that I played with, I mean, you know, Lohan, the amount of work that Lohan did on his own, you know what I mean, away from the, you know, the, the, the training pitch. Um, and there's a correlation between, you know, the whole, how hard, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I, the luckier I yeah. get. And all the top players are doing that, doing that bit extra. And it's the stuff that they do probably away from the pitch that makes a difference. That's what separates them. Yeah, that, it's, it's just, it's dedication. I was told that recently about the Dublin footballers and that it's Cluxon up the game now. So he's at training at like uh, maybe six o'clock for a half seven. So he's doing his kick and all, training away. Then Johnny Cooper lands in and he's here at half five. So he's doing his stretch and his limb rub. He's dedicated. So now everybody, the, the bar's raised so far now that it keeps going down. So you're going to have to take a half day off work to keep up with the, you know what I mean, keep up with the top boys. Right, we're going to finish on predictions, lads. I'm going to start with you, Tony, down that end. Um, we'll get predictions off the second panel as well. So just, they're all gone quiet for this. this is very, predictions are very important to supporters. <laughs> they are. It's like uh, ratings for players. It's that important. So, Tony, I'll let you go first. Yeah, well, I suppose it's hard to give uh, your predictions with, with, a, with a crowd like that out there. But <laughs> actually, it's funny. I, I only found out there this evening that I'm, I'm um, related to the Quigleys. So, come on, Wex, where I'm... I'm uh, <laughs> Yeah, I only found out uh, this evening, yeah, my yeah, mother's... I wouldn't, I wouldn't let you get into the details behind that one. <laughs> <laughs> she got a knock on the door, did you? Commiserations, no one likes that news, <laughs> Look, it has the makings of a, a, a fascinating game, tactically, because, look, you have one team that likes to create space, and you have one team that likes to shut down space. And... Um, and you know it's going to make it's going to be fascinating to see who can create that space at either end. But look, I think Wexford, Wexford at the moment have the, are the form team going into this. Uh, tip on one side, they're spluttering a little bit, and I, I think Wexford will net, won't get a better opportunity now. You know, as Jamesy mentioned, they just have to have that belief that they can win it, and um, and I, I, I think they have at the moment. For for Tipperary, I think they just. They just need the likes of like John McGrath's not on form. If he hits form, they could be in trouble. Bubbles is not on form. If he hits form, you know. Um, but I just give. I just think that the Leinster Championship in particular has been a fantastic championship this year. I think it's been been way ahead of the Munster Championship. Um, so for that reason, I just have a feeling that that Wexford, if the big guys deliver, if those guys, big guys deliver, I think they'll just share it. So Wexford okay. for me. Okay, well, Wexford. <laughs> Wexford Limerick all over again. Jamesy, we'll go with you next. Is there a, is there a back door? Or is there a... <laughs> um, I suppose, look, if, if you go back to the Leinster final, I mean, you know, I, 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 I tipped Kilkenny. I thought Kilkenny would win. Um, I thought an awful lot of things had to go right for Wexford to win, and, and, but they did. I mean, they had three wides in 70 minutes. They were unbelievably efficient. Now, some of those, McDonald got an unbelievable score from the sideline. O'Keefe got a great score from the sideline. Rory O'Connor got an unbelievable point on the run from the sideline. Um, chin nailed everyone in the freeze, even freeze from a different parish, you know, might have dropped one short, you know, that level of efficiency, and as, as Tony said earlier, all the big guns performed, you know, Chin was good, McDonald was excellent, Rory O'Connor was brilliant, you know, McGovern, I th the, the guys that needed to go well, went well, and they, they didn't concede a goal, you know, and, I, and as I said, all those things came, came good, and they still won by three points, I, I just think that Tip were stung, um, after the Munster final performance. I don't think they saw it coming, but I think they parked it. And I think the age profile of the tip team, like Callanan now and Parag Marin, these guys know that, listen, they're not going to get too many opportunities you know, to get back to another final and win a third medal. Um, they're 70 minutes away from it. 
Um, my sources at Tipwoody tell me that there's a big performance coming. And, um, and I, I, I just feel that, look, at if, if Tip won't allow, I think, the game to be played on, 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 on Wexford's terms, the same way it was played at Limerick's terms in the Munster final. And I think they'll, they'll get a couple of goals. I think they'll get ahead, and I think that's the problem for Wexford. You know, if they fall behind, can they claw, can they claw back? And for me, like, listen, could Wexford do it? Absolutely. Have they the legs? Yeah. Tip suddenly look like a, a team in their, in their 30s, a lot of mileage in the clocks. But I still think there's a big performance in them, and, and, and I still think they'll find a way to get the goals to win it. Okay. One Wexford, one tip. Michael. <laughs> no pressure now, Michael, right? No. Da Davy, Davy was right. <laughs> <laughs> Davey knows his stuff, doesn't he? You know? <laughs> but um, I, what, what, I, what I think the key, I think Wexford, I was, at, I was in Wexford Park with Kilkenny and Wexford, the Leinster final form has got a great boost with Kilkenny's performance against Cork. Like, um, I think we know exactly what we're going to get from Wexford. You're going to get 100% committed. We're going to get, we know the system, what they're going to play, what they're going to do. The problem is for Wexford is that Tip know that as well. And Eamon O'Shea is one of the best tacticians in the game. And we're talking about different managers here tonight, but we didn't talk about Liam Sheedy. And Liam Sheedy is a good friend of mine. He's probably one of the most determined people I've ever met in my life, in any walk of life. Um, he's a savage. And he doesn't... He is... They're hurt after the Munster final. Like, I look back at it. The, thing, the negatives about Tip are this. They had 15 players at the start that he went with, the older players. He didn't bring in the young players. He didn't feel they were ready. Bonner, Maher and Carl Barrett got injured. Bonner's gone for the years. So they know that now. When they're half forward and doesn't function, the team collapses. Yeah. Is, are they a bit fickle when they lose? They're, they're yeah. kind of go scrambling. Well, the supporters get down on them as well and everything like that. Everything turns very quickly. When they're going yeah. well, it's a massive yeah. this way. And when they're going bad, it's a massive this way. So the Munster final against Leash, they stuttered over. Um, you know, and that was partly down. Leash played very well, but Tip looked a bit flat. So the key to this match to me is what Tipperary turn up. Yeah. And at the start of the championship, they were in, in very, I did nearly all their matches, commentaries on their matches. They were unbelievable. And you don't become like the form of them, the fitness level of them. Like the Parik Mahers you mentioned, Callan and Brendan Maher, back from a serious injury, fitter than faster than they ever were. And still, we talk about the form. Top goal scorer from play in Ireland this year is Seamus Callan, six goals and 14 points. He scored a goal in every championship game. The second top scorer from play in Ireland this year, and he's been brutal, is John McGrath, 215. And people are saying he's playing terrible. Uh, their average score is 223 a game. So if they score 223, which they, that's, that's 29 points, and that's taken into account a Munster final drubbing, they're scoring 30-plus points a game. So Tip are going to score around that. They're going to try to isolate Noel McGrath as a loose man with, with way, what, the way Wexford are going to play. He can score six from play from the middle of the field. Um, so it's all about matchups. It's all about who goes better. I think the most Wexford, Wexford can score the way they play is about 23 or 4 points. I think the most Tip can score is 27 or 8 points. So to me... There's a, and now that's tip with a performance. Yeah. Tip the way they've been, Wexford win. But Tipperary with a top performance, the, with the ability of that forward line, they're going to score more than Wexford. So I, unfortunately, I hate saying it here. I think tip, tip by about three or four points. Okay. It'll be... Will, yeah, will it, it'll, it, it'll, it'll actually be... I'll, I'll do it uh, with Davey was be, right, wasn't he? It'll actually be very interesting to see will... will tactic, tactically, tactically, will Liam Sheedy change? You know? It's going to be very interesting to see that, like, because I, I've often taught, uh, with particularly the way Wexford play, um, you know, and Michael mentioned uh, Noel McGrath. For me, he's one guy that tactically, if he made one or two switches, 
like they haven't replaced Bonnie Marin centre forward at the moment, and I, I just think that a, a, a mould in his category could be Michael Breen to put in there because he's very aggressive on the ball. He's, he, you know, he likes to attack, he likes to move forward. And the same with Noel McGrath. Wexford are going to offer up space. You've seen it the, the, the last day, you know. Um, they'll, 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 they'll allow the puck outs to happen. And I just think that Noel McGrath would make a super number six or, or, or a sweeper. The fact that he can yeah. deliver and pinpoint. He's dropping deep. He's you know, I know from... Paddy Maher is playing exceptional there at the moment. But just with that delivery, if you offer up space, he's one guy that if a small little tactic, he could just unlock that defence like and that. Colin, you know? just make one last point about Wexford. I think that if you look at their young players, the age profit, Conor McDonald, or not Conor McDonald, uh, Rory O'Connor's only 20, the two wrecks, Conor Furman, their under-21 team this year, there's three or four of them, excellent. I believe over the next couple of years when them lads become more leaders, I think when they get more trust in the back line, when they push forward a bit more, I think Conor McDonald isolated on the edge of the square, one-on-one, -on -one, is unmarkable. Yeah, he's only shown his true potential in the last game or two. Yeah, because he's get, they're, they're suiting him a bit better, they're leaving him at the edge of the square, but imagine if there wasn't an extra man back there to oh, pick yeah, him up. Yeah. He's, he's unbelievable in the air, and like he's, he's, he's the best modern-day player in the air. So, Limerick are at the top of the peak, Kilkenny are trying to get there, Wexford have beaten them, Tipper on the way out. The next two to three years, Wexford will win another. Okay, you saved yourself, you saved yourself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> In fairness, in fairness, he's an all right sort of diagnosis, isn't he? <laughs> that's, why, right. that's why he lasted 20 years and so Listen, we're two, we're two one on tip, but we have a panel with two Wexford uh, players in the next panel, so we might tie it up and the casting board might end up with me, so you never know what happened. I'm going to leave this panel with another video of Connor Sketches, and this came out, I think it's his best ever video. This came out around the time of uh, Michael and Henry's feud with Davy. So here it is. We're taking a five-minute break after this, and we'll be up with panel two. So, Connor, take it away. Dighton's at it again, John. I know, eh? He's saying I should go up. What does he want you to do, eh? Douse yourself in fertilizer, eh? What am I going to do with him, John? Eh? What are we going to do? Eh? I know, Daddy, I know. And I was thinking about it, right? I think we should send this fella a message, right? That he will not forget. Eh? Absolutely. I have a plan. Right, that looks good. Cheers, your name. Add your... I look like a lump of lump of jock. Come on, I want to look scary. I'm scared just looking at you, eh? Now go over it. Yeah. Hello, Michael, it's David. I saw your reply there with the articles you've been writing, eh? Old can't work the Sky TV boxes, I call you, eh? Come on, the man. Because you started all this shit. You're bald. But your analysis crack, right? Absolutely, David. What was that? What was that, John? Was that it was good, Davy, but you need a little bit more angle, right? You know, think you're a cross between Conor McGregor and Mufasa, right? King of the jungle, baby. Okay. Give me a roll. Ah. Jesus, Davy, I said Mufasa, not Simba, eh? Roll! Ah. That's it. Go on, good lady, go again. Okay, okay, let's go. Uh, Hello, Michael, it's me again. Huh? I'm your worst memory, you're my worst nightmare, huh? You're a big man to talk over the television network, so you are, huh? That's right. I remember, I remember you cried like a child into me face in 95 when we met you in the Ireland final, right? You cried like a woman in a 98. You wouldn't get off the field, you got your replay. You big dirty biff, are you? Jeez. Huh? Uh. I tell you. You're one of the most useless hurlers I've ever seen. And I'm officially christening you now today. Oh, shite when you puck it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and as for Henry Sheffield, eh? You're going around saying you're the king of this. You're the king of that. You're the king of dog shite, so yeah. Absolutely. Eh? I will puck around with either of ye any time, any place, or for anything, lads, right? Henry! How was that, Chuck? Was that scary? Oh, jeez, that was better time, right? Just need you to go back out there now and beat your chest, right? 
Rip that top off there a bit. There you go. Don't you feel like a bit of a bollocks? Come on, David. Eh? Give your hands some petrol and show me the fist. <laughs> That's it, David. What does that do, George? Jesus, I don't know, eh? It smells like a fucking lawnmower, George, eh? Now give us a few of the moves, David. That's it. We're asking for some lines. Just like the great. You don't want none of this, Mikey. Give me the flying kick, David. David! Sweet suffering. Jesus, David, I told you to stretch. You fucking answering, George. See you in five minutes. Welcome back, Wexford. Are you ready for panel number two? All right, please give it up for Larry O'Gorman, Tom Dempsey, and our very own from Lee's, Cheddar Plunkett. I have, a, I have a funny feeling that the predictions are going to be evened up very soon if we start down. <laughs> so, Tom, I want to start with you. There's 40,000 Wexicans expected in Croke Park this weekend. Like I said, there was the amount of demand for tickets for here. There really are fanatical supporters. But you're, you only have to look down at the little faces. The excitement down here tonight is incredible. <laughs> but I, I'm actually, the Wexford supporters, Wally, most counties think that they have the best supporters in the country. Wexford have the best supporters in the country, and that's the truth. Okay. Why, but, uh, why, why, why is that? I, I'll tell you why. They're, they're unique. They'll put you in your place every so often. I was, I was thinking when I came into, the, uh, came into the Crown Bar tonight, a couple of years ago I was down in the Crown, and we were kind of, myself and the brother here, we're, we're living on this 96 thing for a good few years now, you know? <laughs> he still is. <laughs> so I was getting a few pints down here, and... Uh, I went up to the bar and mobile phones are a big thing. And I went up and I said would, to the barman, it was, it was under different management, Anthony, so you, you're, you're exempt from this. But I went over to the bar and I said, uh, I said, would you be able to charge me phone? And the bar person said, look at the chargers being used at the moment. And I said, yeah, that's grand. And the next minute the fella came over, he was kind of the boss. He said, you charge that man's phone. That man is a legend. <laughs> he gave his life for Wexford Hurling. That man scored a goal in all Ireland. So I was delighted, but I put it in charge, a bit embarrassed and whatever. Kind of a long night, went into the toilet and uh, I sat down. I went into the, to the cubicle. I was kind of having a bit of a tough night, you know, and I sat down for a while, gathering my breath. <laughs> and the very same fella that was uh, kind of after what came in, I could hear him talking, and he says, I see Dempsey's in tonight. One hit fucking wonder, that fella. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to say, Willie, I, I know these guys. They're, they're great supporters. Another... Another thing was... Uh, I actually told you about it and said that. I didn't know he was working behind the bar. That but it, but I, I, I actually, another time, about after 96 All-Ireland, I was... So they would put you on paper. A little fella came in to me. I was working in the bank at the time, and he said, uh, come in, and he, a little autograph book. Are you, are you Tom Dempsey? And I said, Jesus, I am. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you played for Wexford and All-Ireland last week. And I said, I did. And he handed me up a little autograph book. And sure, I was going to sign the women we're looking at. And he says, you wouldn't do me a favour and get me Martin Story's autograph, would you? So... <laughs> On that, on that hand, Wally, they're, they're a great, like they are the most fantastic supporters. Like next Sunday, next Sunday we'll go up to Crow Park, and I think the big difference is that we'll bring a huge crowd. But the Wexford fans love this Wexford team, and, and, and they love Davy, you know. And I've listened to the boys there, but they absolutely love Davy. We're going up without this weight of expectation. We're going up, and I think whatever happens, happens. We've won Leinster and whatever. And I think it's going to be an advantage to us, because the tip supporters, like the traditional counties, they're going to put kind of pressure they need to win, and they'll give out. And I think there's a better feeling about Wexford. And 
I suppose if I was to explain what Wexford supporters mean to me, and Larry will remember, the 1997 All-Ireland semi-final against Tipperary. I remember going out on the field and there was 40,000 plus Wexford people there that day. It was the most incredible atmosphere. It didn't work out for us, but an incredible atmosphere. I remember going out on the field and when Wexford hit the field that day, just from the field point of view, it almost was like there was thunder hitting the ground, you know? It was, oh, it was just amazing. And then the purple and gold, it was like a thunder and lightning storm when you went out on the field. And that's the kind of support that Wexford people give to Wexford. And, and, and you know, I'd never underestimate it. I'd look at the people here. I, I think we're one of the most passionate. We've lived on very little success, but we're a seriously passionate uh, county. And the last thing I'd say, I always laughed. We, we know how to celebrate as well, as you can see there tonight, but we know how to celebrate victories. Well, there's a good friend of mine, Brian Morris, Larry, you'd know him well. Brian comes over from Wales, he's connections here with the Sack Welsh and that, and he's, he's from Fishguard. But Brian came over and stayed a couple of extra weeks after 96 to do a bit of celebrating with us, you know? <laughs> I think he got divorced, actually, Tom. <laughs> but he, he was. <laughs> he got divorced after that. <laughs> I, 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 and, and all was going well with the new woman, I believe. No, he's so going very well, yeah. But <laughs> she's just hoping Wexford don't win this year, or he could be gone again. He should go be gone again. He could be going for a third, I'll take it through. But Brian was coming out of the Gaelic bar, which is a, a pub up the road, you know? And he's coming out at five o'clock in the morning, about a week and a half after the Leinster final, or the All-Ireland final that year. And the guards said, look, enough is enough. We'll have to put these Wexford people back to normal. So the guards arrived at the door. Brian was coming out. And uh, next minute, the guard uh, put his hand on his shoulder. Sorry, you have to go back in, I'm afraid. And Brian says, no, I've had enough, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was just saying, for me, for me, Wooly, and not to talk, they're the best supporters in the country. They'll put you in your place when they have to. But I'll tell you this. By Jesus, I'm looking forward to next Sunday. It's going to be a serious day in Cork Park. Here's a, here's a question, Larry, that I always wanted to ask you, lads from Wexford, is that uh, Tom talks about the thunder when you come out in the field. And I remember in 96, I remember watching this as a young fella and thinking, this is a bit strange, that Limerick burst out into the field and you walked out. I remember Martin's story almost keeping you all back and you walked out casually like you were walking, I don't know, to the jacks in a pub. It was nothing. <laughs> But what was, the, was this planned or was this, yeah, what was the psychology was, yeah. behind I, I that? I think throughout the year, throughout the whole championship, I think Liam Griffin had a great hold on everything that was going to happen. He sort of prepared us very well into every game. He had us visualising everything that was going to happen. And you're right, I thought on the All-Ireland final day, um, was it Michal Murray he came into the dressing room just to see whether there were any changes in the team or that like that, just some updates that he needed to get done. And he came in and he actually said to Liam Griffin, this is the coolest dressing room, the calmest dressing room I have seen in a long time before an All-Ireland final. Right. And then that sort of carried on, on the way to the... So was the plan to walk out or was it just a calm yeah, dressing room? Yeah, just to be cool and calm and the minute you hit the turf, just soak in the atmosphere. Yeah, so, uh, he, will, he was telling us pre uh, to that that it's going to be a hell of a blast when you get out there, especially on All-Ireland final day. What's going to hit you the minute you hit there? It's not just, a, it's not just a, the pressure that comes from you, but the the atmosphere that comes from the crowd. And Thomas said, he's talking about thunder lightning that hit us, but I got very emotional actually running out onto the field at 96 dollar final. I just said, we just have to do this. We just have to do it. We, we just can't throw in the towel now. We've gone so far. We just need it. Uh, 68 was the last time we achieved it. And this is a day that we will remember for the rest of our lives if we just keep concentrating and do exactly what we had planned to do from the, from the world. Yeah, cool. it's, it's a funny one, Cheddar, because you think that the team that's sprinting out... I've never walked out in a field in my life. I used to love to sprint out on it, and there was a psychology about that, and you'd, mm. you, you wouldn't just walk... You'd, just, you'd sprint as fat, hard as you could, 
And even if there was a picture, you'd sprint past it and then you'd come back for the picture, you know? Yeah. So to see the lads yeah. just walking out casually, it was gas. But then, it's always funny, I remember Cyril Farrell saying this, Limerick actually got the better start, but Wexford won the match. So who knows what was the right thing mm. to do, you know? Uh, yeah, well, obviously, walk out. <laughs> it's, difficult, it's difficult to read, I suppose. It depends on the team uh, to an extent as well, Willie. Um, but look, you're going to go out on the field, you're going to sprint out onto the field. You're not going to start the game for 15, 20 minutes, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so what's the point? You know, you need to build up slowly and be ready. Um, <laughs> no, no, and, and, I, and look, no, I'd say on a serious level, I'd say, Maybe you could all get a lift out into the no, field. It depends, it depends on the team, really. Um, you know, some teams need to motivate themselves to do that. And some teams surf the energy coming out onto the field. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I can't... Um, explain that Tom and, and Larry is explaining much better than I have um, but it depends on the team what's crucial is that the management team understands that and you know manages that because it could turn the other way very very easily as well um, you know some players go out in the field and never look at the stand or anything like that the sports psychologist would tell you to soak it all in look up soak it all in understand what's going on around you and then concentrate on your game um, so it's good to have that level of detail going out onto the field because um, you know, it, in in, in Leash's uh, um, lifetime, going into an All-Ireland, it's probably going to be once at best in 30 or 40 years. You need to get all of them things right. Yeah. Um, and it may very well be, look, we all know going out in the field that you need to get your second breath, that you know you're tearing around the place for a minute, and then you get your second breath, and then you're off, you're into the game, you get stuck into it. Um, it's just managing all those little minute at the right, at a crucial time. Because look, hurling such a game, you could be three or four goals down and get it wrong, and you're out of the game really early. Yeah. Did, did you think, Tom, even when Liam was telling you to walk out in the field, did you think maybe this is a weird thing, or did you think, oh, well, we've won up in Limerick because this makes sense and no one else is doing this? Yeah, I, there, was a, there was one thing that happened, and Larry will remember. Griffin, I didn't talk to Griffin for about six months in, in that particular 96 All-Ireland year because he was after dropping me, and I thought it was the greatest corner forward in the world. Like, you know, I couldn't get over it. But one thing that Griffin did, Griffin had a different strategy for every day that you went out. He was, without doubt, way before his time. And the, the, the strategy he used that day, which I, I thought was particularly ingenious, was Shawnee Flood... Shawnee had uh, missed the All-Ireland, he missed the All-Ireland that year. You have to think about Shawnee's situation. One of our favourite hurlers, Larry, yes. and, you know, Shawnee was, was a different type of a player, but his father, Tim Flood, had played for Wexford in the 50s. Shawnee's dream all his life was to play for Wexford in an All-Ireland final. Injured himself in the semi-final. We knew that he wasn't going to make it. So just before we left the dressing room that day, we had the very same thing in the dressing room, Cheddar. You know, we were absolutely ready. Rod Guiney, I said, please don't let me get in that man's way because he'd put me out through the dressing room wall, right? <laughs> so Griffin, just as we went out the door, he just stopped everyone. Shawnee was standing there, totally not expecting to be asked this. But Shawnee, he said, Shawnee, last word to you. And Shawnee just turned around, and, and it was very emotional. And, it, you know, and, and Larry was saying about emotion. Emotion is a big part of Wexford's psyche, you know, and sometimes it's our, it hamstrings us, but it's a big part of our psyche. Shawnee was standing at the door, and he said, look, lads, he said, you never know the opportunity in life you have till it's taken away from you. Uh, and it, it was particularly emotional. I remember every player just did that to him, walked out, and I think that's what kind of settled us down a little bit. We, we, were, we went five points to one down after 15 minutes, so it maybe didn't work as well as we thought it would. But, but uh, I, I think, you know, Griffin had great strategies from that point of view, and, and that's my kind of one of the greatest lessons in life that I've ever had through GA. Yeah. Always take that opportunity, and by jeepers, I hope the boys take that opportunity. I think that I, I, 
I won't give my prediction yet, Wooly, but uh, I'm hoping. I'm I have a funny feeling. Have a funny <laughs> well, at the moment, uh, there's been 11 games between Tipperary and Wexford in the Championship. Tipperary on seven, Wexford on three, there's been one draw. So, like, I mean, I think Wexford got the better, got the better of Tip in the 60s, but it's been more Tipperary since then. And the two of you have been involved. You were involved in 97. You would have been favourites going into that one as defending All-Ireland champions. And in 01, when you wouldn't have been favourites, Larry. And yes. I suppose 97 would have been a bit of a shock to the system. Tipperary were coming through the back door. And you, you would have been expecting to beat them after retaining Leinster after winning the All-Ireland. Yeah, uh, that's the first year that the back door was actually introduced yeah. into, into, the, into the championship. And we were actually, after beating Kilkenny in the Leinster final, I remember Liam Dunn said to me, this is even greater than actually beating Lee Limerick in the All-Ireland of 96. I said, wow. <laughs> you know, just because we struggled for years and years, Tom would tell you, to beat Kilkenny, to beat them, yeah. whether it's the first round or the semi-final or the final, just to beat them that year was something fantastic. And then after that, we were saying, yeah, all gun ho and we're, we're back up where we were back in 96. You know, the attitude was good, the body language was good. The, uh, the, the whole thing was seemed to be coming nicely uh, for us. And... The back door came in, we faced Tipperary, and I think it was Gerlach Nan actually maybe on the Sunday game might have said, you know, Wexford rough house tactics won't work with Tipperary in this big game. So we were a little bit concerned. We were saying, yeah, maybe, maybe he thinks maybe Tipperary are a lot stronger, tougher than us. But we did go into that game with Rory McCarthy had a slight injury. Gary Laffin, who's here tonight, had a bit of an injury. Rod Guiney had a bit of an injury. I was injured myself. And Tom was injured himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said that after the game because he didn't score in the game. You know, but we, we sort of, we went into that game thinking that we have a great opportunity of overturning Tipperary. Yeah. But, you know, past history with Tipperary, from our standard, wasn't great. Uh, that, that thing that we'd say, we've always a great chance of beating Tipperary, but we sort of never believed that we were good enough to beat them. But we always said we have a chance of beating them. And maybe that's the reason why we sort of lost out in 97. And, and then if you go back, for, uh, back on to 2001, it was the very same thing. We got a great chance in the... In the in the first game, you know, we were eight points down at half time. There was a little bit of argy bargy going on at half time. Joe Cush and Tony Dempsey were over us, and they said, Larry, you have to stay where you're playing. You can't be attacking forward. You've got to stay in your position. And I was a little bit concerned because my guy had dropped back in the midfield or half back line or whatever. But they made a change at half time, and they said, Look, Larry, go for it now. Your chance is there. If you get the opportunity, go forward, go so you forward. You followed him on then, did you? When I just followed him on when. Thankfully, you know... And you got two goals. Got two goals. Two, two goals. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on now. Someone had to mention the two goals. <laughs> and I set up the third one as well, actually, by the way. <laughs> For Tom. <laughs> no, I, I was retired. Tom was finished. <laughs> Tom was finished. Tom, you're blaming refereeing decisions. Is it for 01? You're blaming them or for 97 no, I, and 01? I, look, look, Wooly, I, I, I'm amused. I'm amused when I see pundits talking about the Leinster final and Colin Fenley was held in the square and whatever. Jesus, we, we inherited. We, we were the ones that were done more by referees over the last 100 years, right? And... <laughs> I, I think I'm right. I'm saying the right things now, aren't I? <laughs> but uh, I'll I give you one quick, uh, good one. We, we have some great referees down in Wexford, and it is a tough job, Willie. It is a tough job, you know. But before I, I go into that, I just said, we have a guy down here called Damien Donovan. Very, very, very witty referee now, you know. He's, he's, one, he's, one, he's a brilliant referee. I, I make no pretense he's a brilliant referee. I, I don't know if Damien's out there, but you're a brilliant referee, Damien. <laughs> And uh, he was refereeing one day, and sometimes the referee strikes back, but Damien was refereeing one day, and this big, huge fella buried a fella. 
and Damien went over to give him the yellow card. He was going to give him kind of, Damien would shuffle over and he said, uh, he says, uh, what's your name? And your man says, Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> so Damien turned around to him and he says, what did you say? I'll give you one more chance. He says, Humpty Dumpty. And so your man, the language wasn't so good. He said, Humpty Dumpty. And Damien says, and how do you spell the Dumpty? D-U-M-P-T-Y. And Damien says, well, I'll tell you what, Humpty. Took the red card out. He says, go over and sit on the wall over there. <laughs> so, so I have to say, and that's a true story, you know. But, 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 but my... <laughs> My problem, my problem with referees, in 1997, Larry said there a minute ago, we, we were a bit naive. We were Leinster champions. We were, everything was going well. We'd won seven games in a row in Crow Park, and things were really good, uh, you know, going for it. And I always remember going out in the field, but Gerlach Nan had said that Wexford's roughhouse tactics won't work with Tipperary, and this gathered legs. And I, I to this day, and James, you might tell me, I don't know why Ger said this, you know, because we would have supported Clare so much through 95. I know he's only one Clare man. Maybe, maybe, just maybe he was afraid to meet us in the final. But anyway, that, that was one. But the referee on the day, he really did crucify us. I mean, Rory McCarthy was hit and he didn't even get a free. And Wexford players were almost afraid to move that day. Now, we were beaten by a better team and we can't complain about that or whatever. But I felt at 97, we didn't get to rub it a green. 2001, there was time up. Paul Codd had the ball in his hand on the drawn day. Now, Paul Codd was one of the best strikers of a hurling ball I've ever seen. Nearly 30 seconds left on the clock. 30 seconds left on the clock. Just about to strike the ball. Would have put us a point up. Referee blew the final whistle. So you'll have to excuse me. Where was he on the field? He was, I'd say he was about 60 yards out. But if you knew this man, <laughs> he, was in the, he was in the goal. Guaranteed score. <laughs> he was actually in the dugout. He was in the goal. He was taking off. <laughs> But that, that didn't matter. We were going to score. But I genuinely feel that we haven't got the rub of the green. And I do think that, that maybe we deserve a little bit of a rub of the green every so often. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a little bit disappointing sometimes. I think Davy on, on the start of your programme, sometimes says that uh, with the little fish doesn't always get the run. And to a certain extent, we, we don't always get the run. That's my own opinion. Maybe that. Maybe that. We'll, do, we'll talk about the rough house tactics because in the replay in 01, there was two sendings off. Um, we're going, we have footage of Mitch Jordan. I don't think anyone can have any complaints about Mitch Jordan, can they? We have Mitch Jordan. This was, yeah. He was already just on the before, yellow. Just before half time. Yeah, this was after Liam Dunn's one. We showed Liam Dunn one after this, but Mitch Jordan's one first. Um, he was already on the yellow. What effect will that have on the match? Oof, a wild pull. Mitch Jordan could be in trouble because he's already been booked. He's already received the yellow card and now it's red. Wexford are down to 13. When you're booked already, anything can happen. Wild swing. It was a... Ah, he was... Okay, on. okay. Now... <laughs> Marginal, marginal. He, he was all lucky. He was all lucky. No, that, that was marginal. <laughs> that was marginal, Woolly. There was nothing in that, right? Cheddar, you're the only neutral here. That was a second yellow. Like, I know that was back in an era, but that was a yellow at any era, no? I'm not so sure, actually, Woolly. I, I, <laughs> I, th I, think, I think the other lad got in the way. <laughs> all right, okay. Okay, we're, none of you are agreeing with me that that was, I'm not a hurling man, I don't know. Oh, that looks Woody, sore, that Woody, looks sore. Woody back on her own day, you would have only heard for about five seconds and then it'd be gone. Right, now I will agree as a non-hurling man that Liam's Dunn's yeah, our red card was a disgrace and O'Mara's was a disgrace. This was not a sending off. We have footage of that as well. And this is what happened for the sending off earlier on. You can see, referee had no option. There's, like... Right, so obviously, lads, I'm following hurling a long time, not, I never played it, 
But I've seen that going on for years. I've seen that going on for donkey's years, and that's not even a yellow card with a lot of referees. So I don't know, Larry, for two reds to go for that seemed a little bit yeah, completely it, harsh. It actually, it was very harsh, to be quite honest. And it's strangely enough, actually, we seem to be coping quite well with Tipperary, actually, in that game, till Liam and Brian O'Mara got sent off, and all of a sudden, the whole thing opened up for Tipperary. They seemed to get a better run on us than we did on them. Right. So, so Liam would have been a much bigger loss to than Brian would have. No oh, disrespect to Brian, but he was your oh, leader. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Sure. As we're, we're all aware, Liam Dunn has been a great leader in, in Wexford hurling for, for many years, every time he put the jersey on, but... I was quite disappointed in the end, and I even said at the linesman going off, you know, I said, that was a disgrace. He said, look at, he said, I'm here to do my job. And I said, well, you didn't do your job today, so go get a job somewhere else. <laughs> well, w- Wooly, Wooly, in the, in the, re- I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk wrongly here now, but in the referee's defence that day, I, I always remember, Michael Dignan will remember this, but Liam was an unusual type of player. I remember tactics were a bit different in our time. We were playing awfully in the Leinster final one year and Shawnee Flood was hurling on Johnny Dooley. And Johnny had a thumb injury going into it. He'd broken his thumb. And we were discussing it before the game. And Shawnee said, which thumb is broken? And Liam walked by him. He said, you've only two thumbs, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so Liam was a tough man on the field now. <laughs> well, this- I think the, the, the issue there, though, is the, uh, it's the same issue nearly in every game with referees. Do you referee by the rule? or do you referee by what, the way hurling people would like a game to be refereed? Um, I think Liam was a massive loss that day, I absolutely agree with that, and a hugely, hugely important player to expert. Um, and I, I think when but Cheddar, you... But Cheddar, just on that, did, did Liam's reputation go before him? Because I like, would, wouldn't have seen an awful lot of Liam, would have seen him towards the end of his career, but Liam was a great leader and a great player, but like, let's not dress it up, he was a hatchet man as well, no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, Willie, I disagree with that. I wouldn't agree with that. And I, I, you know, I, I, no, it's not just because I'm in Wexford. I actually know Liam and all of that. Um, I know Liam very well. And um, look, he was. The, the, I mean the, that in the, the nicest look, possible no, the, way. The, the, those times were hard hurling, Willie. Um, you know, there was no, there, there was lots of players. You just simply had to be a hard hurler. Bear in mind, Liam Dunn wasn't the tallest of players and um, was number six on, on, on the Wexford team for a good few years. And hurling a lot of very, very tall players. And look, even just knocking back the ball and that. Um, well, look, if you put up, put up your hand there to catch the ball, what do you expect? Um, <laughs> so, so, no, I'm being, I'm being honest about that. You don't expect to put your hand in the back of the Hogan stand. <laughs> no, I'm being honest about that, Larry. And I, I am backing up, I, I am backing up Liam on that. Um, he, he was a fantastic skilled hurler. Don't ever forget that. He was a very, very skilled hurler. Um, and, you know, I think that day, you're right, uh, Brian O'Mara was a good player, but Wexford really missed Liam Dunn that day. Yeah, I think Liam Dunn actually met him the following year. It was, this was in Liam Dunn's book, uh, tried, met O'Mara to make amends. Where O'Mara missed the All-Ireland final because of that, but, but and I, O'Mara blanked him, wouldn't but, speak to him at all. But I actually think Liam Dunn might have wrote a letter to Leinster Council or whoever to, to appeal his case to let him play in the All-Ireland final. Right. I think Wexford represented... Uh, Brian O'Mara to say, look, give him a chance. This is only an opportunity in life that you get to play in an all final. But I will say about Liam Dunn, he is one of the best hurlers we have had to wear yeah. that Wexford jersey. I'd go to war with him. If there was a battle on tomorrow, he'd be on my back. I tell you that now. Yeah. He wore his hand on his sleeve. And, and no, but I did, have a, I did have a couple of runs in with a club hurling and Tom Beebe was the very same. He have no problem cutting your little finger off or your big finger off or the top of your head off. <laughs> but at the end of the game, he'd shake your hand, and that's what I love in a man. I think so. And I, and I have to say, I thought it was very nice, Tom, Declan O'Keefe uh, paid tribute to Liam Dunn and the work he did with him in the previous five years to Davy, because 
Uh, you know, I just was surprised. He says, in fairness, Liam, he brought us a hell of a long way in the five years we had him. This is after winning a Leinster under Davy. And the easiest thing to, in the world to do was say Davy's brilliant. I think that's great respect. It was, a great, it was a great uh, mark I of Declan O'Keefe. Um, and Liam Dunn, uh, you know, raised the standard of hurling in Wexford definitely in the first year and, and in the second year. But as time goes on, sometimes this just happened. Maybe in our third or fourth year, things go a little bit flat. Um, and look, there's very little you can actually do about that. Uh, but he certainly has, in my view, from the outside looking in, and the lads beside me here can can attest to this. He has served Wexford well. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Just, you were just saying there, Willie. I, I, I think it's a testament to D. O'Keefe as well. Yeah. Here's a series. I uh, see some of Dan's boys here tonight, and uh, this guy. I think he served as secretary, hasn't he? Served uh, down in the. You know, he's just an incredible young man. If you knew him, and there's a lot of the Wexford players that way. But I, I was with very, him. very dodgy haircut now. But very, we let him I off have to say, yeah. But well, you can't Billy talk too much about haircuts. <laughs> now, I, have to say. <laughs> I, I love to have his haircut, Willie. I have to say, but. He, he, um, uh, he's, he's, he was great. I was with Liam with the minor, Wexford minor team in 2008 and 2007, and we were the famous selectors that lost uh, 13 versus 15 against Galway. But Never forget. <laughs> but Liam did, and, and, and Seamus is right, Liam did incredible work. Liam got involved with those guys when they were 15 or 16 years of age. Mark Fanning, uh, Matthew O'Hanlon, Dermot O'Keefe, Paul Morris. I could go down through probably... 50% of that panel, and he deserves a huge amount. With possibly now, and I would be very straight about it, possibly not the same cooperation from the Wexford County Board that maybe yeah. Davy is getting at the moment. Right. And I think, exactly. he needs yeah, great, yeah. I think he needs nearly a round of applause yeah, yeah. for that now. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Here's, here's another question, because I was watching the video of, of Liam and Brian going at each other with the old jabbing and all. And I was thinking, like, I've never done it. But then we have a picture here, and I want your analysis of this. So you think Liam being the, the hardy fella experienced at this. So he's on that side. He's butting him with the boss of the hurley, and he's getting the, the butt of it in himself. Is that not stupid from Liam's point of view, not to be, not to be standing on the other side to be giving him the no, butt? No, but if you actually look closely to Liam's hurley, there's an awful sharp point on the top of his <laughs> Someone told me he'd call him a lumberjack one time before. <laughs> But like when you're in that button, would you not turn your hurl and be able to give him what? Well, well, it depends on whether you want to cut somebody or break their rib, I suppose. And right. I'd say Liam was going for the cut. Oh, the, yeah. the top of the hurl will give you the cut? <laughs> the top of the hurl will always... So it's like a fellow from Buffer's Alley told me one time, if you turn your fist like that just as you hit somebody, you'll always cut him. Right, so, OK. That's the way Buffer's Alley... I have the scars to prove it. <laughs> so, Cheddar, which, which side of the hurl did cameras like to use? Was it the, the butt or the top? I know, we, we just... Talk to one another. <laughs> <laughs> I just, Wally, I just like to say about Cheddar. Cheddar hit myself and Martin Quigley with the one pull at the opening of the, <laughs> at the, opening of the Nicky Rackard pitch uh, up in Rathmore one year. At a so challenge match. I got five stitches and Martin got four, and it was the one pull. <laughs> so I, 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 don't, I don't know what end of the hurl you were using that day. Right? <laughs> no, the real food to that story now was a little bit different. Um, I, I knew Tom a little bit before that match, and. Um, Actually, Willie, I think it was picked to play full forward. Where was that match, Tom? I think it was in a... It was in Ratnure. was yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it might be in an opening of a pitch or something like that. Um, and um, I was actually picked to play full forward, but the regular release fullback at the time was a friend of mine, was John Bahan. I think he got injured and wasn't able to play. And suddenly I was shifted from 14 back to 3. <laughs> and I hadn't played at 3 since under 12. Hadn't a clue how to play it. 
so the most of something in me, Tom, as all I'd say. But anyway, um, I met Tom coming out from the field. He says, he says, he says quickly, he's going to be hurling full forward. He says, um, look, will you look after me there? I'm looking for a spot in the team. Um, so I asked him, what, well, what do you expect me to do? Well, he says, you know, he says, we'll drop in a few high ones into quickly there. He says, and look after me. Um, so a high one came in, and, and I was regularly playing the other side of the field, and, and um, I didn't really know what to do, so... I said I'd battered out for a pull, and I must have missed it by about a smidgen. And, <laughs> and this fellow must have been going across in front of me at the same time. Um, but anyway, look, that's 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 story. Wasn't it done too bad, Tom? Because the following weekend we were playing uh, Tipperary in the challenge match below and Tip Town, same thing, opening by pitch again. Unfortunately, I was playing a Nicky English, and that finished my full back career. <laughs> <laughs> She's a classic cheddar, taking two out with the one blow. Like I've never been so proud of you. No no that. <laughs> right, lads, we'll finish with, uh, we, do you know what? We'll finish with uh, predictions. And uh, I want to start with you, Larry, because we're two one, you're 2-1 two one down. Um, and just, just give, it, give us your idea. Before, before we get into predictions, actually, I want to just quickly mention the bad press around the Wexford system, right? So we have Jim Bulger... Where I don't know why his, his comments got so much attention. He's a horse race trainer. He like, he's, would know no more about hurling than I would. Uh, but Martin Story actually described Wexford's style as imported hurling, whatever he meant about that. Now, this is before the Leinster final. Maybe Martin has a different opinion now that it's won. Nothing against Martin. But th there was bad press, even within Wexford, uh, against Davy's system. You know, maybe uh, you know, influenced by Michael Dignan and RTE. Who knows? Um, no, but no, that's a joke. But like, it's it's no, but it's there if you know what I mean. Yeah, Larry. it's completely different to what we used to play. You know, we were man on man, fifteen on fifteen, and made the best man win. So David came in, he introduced a new hurling strategy within Wexford, and to be quite honest, it took uh, it took a lot to get used to in what he was trying to do. Because you're a traditional county hurling county, yeah, we right? were fifteen on fifteen. Tom, I tell you, club hurling. Intercounty hurling, we go man on man and made the best man win. And if you're good enough, you stay on. If you're not, off you go and have, a, have an early shower. But in terms of what David came in, he tried to just readjust the whole thing. People call it the sweeper system. David called it a, an attack in the halfback or, you know, in, in the approach of uh, taking on the opposition or whatever. So he sort of gathers everyone back and, and, and uh, go forward. Uh, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people thought the system didn't work. But it did take us two or three years to understand it. Some people didn't like it. Some people thought it was a little bit basic and we didn't think we were ever, ever really improving on what we thought we had with the, with the calibre of players that we had when we thought we could get an awful lot more of them with the success that we had with under-21s. We thought we were good enough to keep going that step further every time. And David came in, he addressed a little bit different and he came up with his ideas and he came up with his ways of approaching the game a little bit different. And, you know, last... Leinster final sort of really proves this point, you know, that it does work for you. Uh, it might take a long time to work, and Jim Bulger was unhappy with it. There was a few other people. Martin Story might have made his comments about it. Frank Lowen or Brian Lowen might have said a few things about it. But you, sometimes you'll only judge a guy when, his, when, when, when the whole thing is over, you know. And Davey got us a Leinster title this year, which we were very, very pleased and happy to get, you know. But if, as someone said earlier, if it didn't happen for us, we'd be saying... What the hell have Davy done for us, you know? But to win a Lizard title has meant an awful lot to work for people, you know. And so, his style of play has risen hurling, has risen the potential, and it also has risen the hope of all our, as Tom said, our great supporters that we have, following us and following the team from here on in. So, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed that we can get over Tipperary next Sunday. And okay, give us a prediction. Will you do it? I think we're, we're going a, to do it. I think we're in, in a great position. I think uh, our win in Leinster final. 
the win of Leinster final has really put us up another step. You know, if we'd have lost the Leinster final to Kilkenny, we'd be judging ourselves fairly harshly going into this game. I think we're in a great position. We've some of our key players hurling very well. Uh, the attitude of the players is very good. Their physicality is very good. Their mentality is very good. So I think next Sunday, I think we will rattle Tipperary. We need to get up in their face, give them no space, don't let them breathe, don't even let them spit, don't let them have a drink, tear into them. <laughs> and we we'll, we'll them. <laughs> Julie, I can see, I can see Davy bringing in Larry next Sunday and doing a team talk before they go out there. <laughs> and by the way, the rumour is I am not joining the panel for this Sunday. <laughs> I am not doing a Martin story. I'm gone too old. <laughs> Tom, right, we're two all in the predictions here. Yeah, I suppose I, I'd be very close. Unlike the boys, I'd be very close to Davy. I'd be, uh, I'd be ringing him every kind of second day, you know. And, and I suppose I hope it doesn't leave this room, but we're, <laughs> he had know, Davy's pajamas no, in his bedroom. I, I'm just, just so people know the extra support. We're going with ten defenders and two goalies next Sunday. <laughs> so that's not to go back to Liam Sheedy or whatever, but. Uh, no, I, I, I think it's going to be a very tight game. And I think why people are not giving outright predictions is they're not totally sure whether Wexford's momentum, and I'll tell you, Wexford's momentum is a big thing, Willie. You know, it's a big thing, whether that'll come out or whether Tipperary just have brilliant hurlers. My own opinion is that if we can protect our full back line, and we have a very good full back line, the Tipperary forwards, and we mentioned them earlier, Callan you know, Jason Ford and uh, John, John McGrath. Yeah, John McGrath. They're capable of scoring four goals next Sunday. You know, that's the truth of the matter. If we can protect that well, my firm belief is that Wexford will win on Sunday. I do believe they will win on Sunday. I think, I'm not saying we're a better team than them. I think we're in a better place than them. And I think we, I actually think Wexford can win the game on Sunday. Brilliant stuff. Okay, Sue Wexford. Uh, no pressure, Cheddar, but the casting vote is to you. It's 3-2 in favour of Wexford. I suppose, look, look, I'd look at it a little bit differently, I suppose. Um, I, I don't think, I think momentum is really, really important. And I think Wexford have it at the minute. But sometimes that can sort of lead to, and Tom and Larry, I'd often think this about Wexford, sometimes there's a little bit too much heart and not enough head. Head's going to win the game on Sunday, maybe more than heart. Um, but I, I'd say... Um, I think, it, you know, you look at Tipperary at the minute, they're after having, you know, two poor performances according to their standard. Uh, playing against Limerick, playing against a system that they didn't handle very well and didn't really handle it very well in the league game or in the league championship game in Turles either, even though they won it. Um, and against Leash in the last game, Leash played it with his sweeper. And you would say that Wexford would know well how to play, uh, or Tip would know to play how to, well how to play against a sweeper and still didn't play well, even though Leash were a player down for all of the second half. Um, so they just ha have poor form at the minute. And I think some of the lads mentioned earlier on that some of their players are not playing to the best of their ability. But I just think that Liam and Eamon in particular will come in something different. When you play with a system and you play in a certain shape, the opposition will want to disrupt you. And I think Tip may very well come at something different on Sunday to try and disrupt the Wexford system. Because Wexford depend a lot, obviously, on a sweeper, so they're not going to leave... Uh, uh, Kevin Foley as a sweeper to, to mop things up. Um, th now, they may not mark him either. They may just t use the ball around him. And I think um, Tip will come at... First of all, the matchups will be important. You know, it's likely that James Barry, I think, will be on Conor McDonald. James Barry is a very good club hurler in Tipperary, and, you know, it, it will relish that challenge. Uh, they may very well put, put uh, Brendan Maher on Rory O'Connor. 
And, you know, when you look at those matchups, and if the tip players come out on top, um, you know, then that reduces, I think, Wexford's effectiveness. But I think what, what tip will really look at is, they won't take on, I think, Wexford in the middle third, because look, that's Wexford's strong point. That battling qualities in the middle third is really, really strong, their tackling ability and all of that. They may do something completely different. They may take Noel McGrath with the middle of the field and play himself and, and Bubbles as two number of levels around that zone shooting from distance. And that takes Kevin Foley out of the play completely straight away. Um, and look, they've two, two fair players inside, even you know after 15 or 20 minutes if they want to change that up and push somebody in. Um, so I think Tip will look at disrupting Wexford. And if they do, I think if Tip shoot from distance and that game goes seven points to one or six points to one after about 15 minutes, look, there's pressure on Davy then to do something. You've now got to react. You cannot let the game drift away from you. It's too important. Um, and now you're on the back foot and you're reacting to things. Um, so I think it'll be, you know, it'll obviously be a huge battle. Um, and I think that the, the, you know, what both managers do, how they set up, who marks who, the, the system of play that, that they actually play. Um, I've seen Wexford play a good few times this year. They have an ability to change things up. I mean, the, the, I think the fact that Conor McDonald played further out from goal the last than he did below in the park here on the Saturday evening was different. Um, but I, I just think that if Tip changed their game around, bear in mind they've had two flat performances, and I don't think they can go to toe-to-toe -to -toe like they have in the first two or three rounds below in Munster when they were you know, tracking back to feed and throwing in tackles and running 100 metres back to feed and throwing in tackles, and then you're expecting to be up the field again to take handy scores and that. I think Tip might approach this differently, and I think they will put shooters out the field, shoot from distance, cause problems for Wexford, and now Wexford have got to react to that. I think it'll be very, very interesting from a manager's perspective to actually look at that and see how that pans out. Prediction, Cheddar? Look, I, I, I'd say if Tip go as they are now... <laughs> in a Cheddar. word, in and a word. And if, um, and if Wexford play to their strength... Sorry, there's a couple of other little points like there Sounds like you're well. going to Tip now. It sounds like you're going look, to Tip. No, there's a couple of other serious points to take on board here. Uh, Wexford's conversion rate... Wexford's conversion rate from shots was very, very high. It was inordinately high. Even Lee's uh, shooting from freeze was very, very high. They're going to need that again, um, you know, to, to, to come out on the right side here. I think if Tip change around their team in a different way, um, I think Wexford will find it hard to beat him. I think if the both teams stay the same way with the same setups, I think Wexford will win. So I'm sitting on the fence here. No, no, uh, no, no. no, no. <laughs> It's a long way to the doorway. Okay. <laughs> I, I think he's afraid to it's say Tip is going to win. Cheddar, who are you going for? Well, look, look I, I, I'll make this statement, William. I'm a Leinster man. My heart says Wexford. Um, but, but as I say, look, you've got to look at this analytically as well. Uh, tip have, have a serious, serious forward line. If they open up the space and if, and if they uh, change your team around a little bit to facilitate those type of players, um, I think Tip will win the match. So that's my, that's okay. my comment. Christoph, so we're at three all, and it's down to me for the final prediction, and I'm going for a Wexford. Fuck it. Well, you're a big pussy. Oh well, I do think. I think it was. I think it was Michael Dignan said that we know what we're getting from Wexford, and we're not sure what we're getting from Tipperary, and that's good enough for well, me. Well, there's one, there's one other Colin Bonner made make. a great point, and he says Wexford are 15 Bonner Myers, and that's enough to scare Tipperary. That's, that's a fair point. Now, that's the point I was making about the middle third, Willie. There's one other um, uh, comment I just want to make. Uh, some of the older people here might remember '68. Um, and I just asked Tom earlier on, I think, I think um, Buffers won their first championship in 68, and won it, you obviously won an awful lot since. But there was one other aspect about 68, um, I think it was the first time that, when we were talking about music, about the lads earlier on, it was the first time the music was played at half-time, 
Um, I think uh, Sleeping the Bond was played for Tipperary, if I stand corrected, but I think the streams of Bunclody was played for <laughs> Wexford. Uh, but there was one other interesting little aspect, because we're in a music pub here, and because for all ye music buffs out here, the band was called Emmett Spiceland, and the musician, or the serious musician on it was Donald Lunny. So that's a bit of useless information, might wrap me okay, up here. Okay, excellent, excellent. So, right, well, listen, we have a little surprise for you to finish the show out, so we're done. Thanks very much, all the Wexkins, for coming out. You've been absolutely brilliant. Like I said, demand for the show tonight was off the charts. Um, we're definitely coming back down, as, as Larry says. Uh, we'll do an open-air concert, which is going to be absolutely brilliant. We're going to have Tom play out the show with the purple and gold. And, we're, and, and we, have, we have a company name. We have Nick Darcy, who is the lead, the lead singer of Corner Boy. Um, before, before Tom starts, we have Larry just wants to give you a quick shout out on a Faith Harriers drop. Larry. Lads, listen, the Faith Harriers Hurling Club, we're actually building a new clubhouse in Port Corbin for the future of our kids within the club. We have a house on offer for sale in Minute, County Kildare. It's a £405,000 house. The tickets are on sale at €100 Euros each. Be even a chance to win the house.ie. Support the Harriers, support the GA, support Wexford. And after next Sunday, we'll see you in the Ireland final. <laughs> all right, all right. There you go. Listen, all we can say is good night. And I'm done now. Let Tom take it away. And Mick. And me, and Mick. <laughs> two, two. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a bit nervous, so there's only one way to introduce this man. It's Tom Dempsey! A father and son They stood hand in hand As they watched Wexford play From the back of the sand and the words that he said I hear when I'm old It is a beauty to behold When you see the purple and gold How the purple and gold Is my heart and my soul From the men of today Still see them now on the Ireland Day, and the record stood proud. By God, could they play? And the quickly stood tall, every man brave and bold. It my heart and my soul from the men
man of today to the heroes of old are the purple and gold is a dream I still hold it is a beauty to behold when you see the purple and gold it is a beauty to behold when you see the purple and gold I don't hear the carnival. <laughs> you know what it's next one, do you? Well, I remember as a young boy, the beginning of September, we were standing at the same ship, waiting for a train. And then it was creatures and brothers. There were nuts and rubber mothers. There were guys and drugs and others. And everyone was just the same. And we stayed right in party from your ass and Persegory. There were buses from McClody. There were hearts and cats and all. They were shouting and screaming And they carried Larry Murphy He was 25 feet tall So what's the story about the story? Mike was dreaming about for glory And then he left the cup and lifted He said we brought it back for you They were hanging from the rafters as they sang the boys of Wexford. Like it was going out of style. All the bingo halls are empty and all the masses finished early. Do you know I never saw a like so since the time of JFK? I'm gonna be looking at you and Norman.
GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance of goal, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.